0: Amen. I was uh, thinking, based on my message today, I'm going to be preaching on the counterfeit versus the authentic. If I were playing the cello, it would definitely be counterfeit. You know, and you would definitely know it. If you would, take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 19 today. Acts chapter 19. I'm going to look at an event in the life of Paul on his third missionary journey that uh, I suppose could look a little humorous, and probably the Lord intended that it be, but there is something very serious about it as well, something we can learn today. We're going to begin reading in Acts chapter 19 and verse 8, just so we can get a little bit of the background. Paul now in Ephesus, it it, uh, says here in verse 8, "...and he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months." Disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God, but when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And thus, in this, continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs, or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that uh, your hand would be here upon me, Lord, giving me the enablement to deliver your message this morning. Lord, I pray that it would meet the need of the hour, though we might not even know at this point what that need is. Would you both reveal it and meet it? I pray. Use your word. Wash us, cleanse us with it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak on the subject of counterfeit of counterfeit, counterfeit life, counterfeit Christian. I looked up a uh, definition of counterfeit and came across this. To counterfeit means to imitate something. Counterfeit products are fakes or unauthorized replicas of the real product. Counterfeit products are often produced with the intent to take advantage of the superior value of the imitated product. Now think on that for a minute. Let me say that again. Counterfeit products are often produced with the intent to take advantage of the superior value of the imitated product. I thought that encapsulated it well. And I wonder, counterfeit, I wonder this morning as the Lord uh, would work in our hearts, may we discover something there that might be counterfeit, a copy, an imitation, a knockoff. Something that is just a replica, but not the real genuine article. To kind of illustrate here, of course, uh, counterfeiting is going on around the world at any given time. Rather than, I'm always amazed by this, but rather than just uh, getting a legitimate job and working it out, some people put a lot of time and effort and resources into um, counterfeiting. And uh, it's not just money, it can be a variety of things. In 2006, uh, one notable instance here, was that in the state of Arizona, 77 uh, containers were found, these uh, overseas type containers. 77 of them were discovered by authorities open to reveal pairs of replicated Nike tennis shoes. Counterfeit, of course you probably knew that. That's one of the things that is replicated so often And, of course, you you don't want to replicate something that's cheap and chintzy. You want to replicate something that everybody wants. They counted nearly 700,000 pairs of counterfeit shoes. The street value of those shoes, even at the the reduced rate of $50 a pair, would come to $35 million. Wow. Some people are out there, and they're, they're buying them, paying top dollar for those things. They're counterfeit a replica that uh, the intent is to take advantage of the superior value of the imitated product. Just two weeks ago, uh, around, around the world, of course, these things are being replicated, whether it be items or money. And is it any surprise that the American dollar is uh, the currency in the world that's replicated more than any other? It's not the only one, but more than any other currency, the American dollar in whatever denomination, is replicated, is counterfeited, more often than, than any other. And one of the countries of the world, though there are several, but one that is, kind of leads in counterfeiting is Peru. So it was just two weeks ago that uh, Peru had their biggest bust, 1,500 Peruvian police officers in conjunction with United States authorities, Uh, seized eight printing presses and 30 million American dollars. And they were pretty excited about that. That was a big deal. I think we have to uh, maybe check again how Mr. Kottfuss is paying his school bill. (laughs) I don't think he's in here, so uh, some of you will have to talk to him about that later. But counterfeiting. And we see in the text an evidence here of counterfeiting. I want you to look again at verse 11. We're gonna see, first of all, the authentic. In verses 11 and 12, it says, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. And then an illustration is given us so that we could say, well, if we were asking, hey God, what kind of special miracles are happening here? Well, here it is, verse 12. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. That is authentic Christianity authentic it's being described here and the key is in those first three words of verse 11 and god wrought god is working now it looks like it's the apostle paul it says that he wrought special miracles by the hands of paul it looks like he's walking around and he's doing marvelous things but you know verse 12 indicates it really isn't paul it's not his hands It says there that cloth, particular items of of cloth, are being taken from His body, away from Him, and marvelous things are happening. I want you to remember those words, though, and God wrought. And again, this is authentic, genuine, real, authoritative, credible Christianity. It's also predictable. It's also predictable because in John 14, 12, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. And that's what's happening here. Some of those marvelous miracles that you you could even imagine. Can you imagine that from the Apostle Paul? and we're not quite exactly sure what the handkerchief or aprons were. Some think that they were articles used for travel, and while that definitely could be, since the Apostle Paul, by what we read in the earlier verses, has been here in Ephesus for two years, he's really not traveling any distances, then others think that what these are are items of clothing that he would use to work in. He's a tent maker. And so something there... To, uh, to be around his head so that he can wipe, uh, he can take care of the sweat while he's working on tents. And that article right there, being taken from his body and applied to somebody who is, verse 12, diseased or possessed, causes there to be a rescue, healing. Healing. Diseases departed from them, and evil spirits went out of them. Would you call this a greater work? Can you imagine right now? Could you imagine right now that uh, you know we had a we had a work day? I think you could imagine that we had a work day, and uh, you you wiped the sweat of your brow throughout that day. You just were working so hard, whatever you were doing, and uh, that that not some not some religious thing or some, but something menial was taken from you, from your body it says, and taken up to Wausau. Taken into a hospital there in Wausau. You say, what's in Wausau? Sam's in Wausau, whose body is diseased. Wouldn't you call that a a greater work? if that were laid on his body, and that disease departed, escaped, fled right out of his body? What is that? Is that the Apostle Paul? No. Is that his sweat? What is that? And God wrought. Don't forget that. And God wrought through Paul. How is this happening? I'll tell you how it's happening. You'd wring it out, it's not the sweat that would come out of it, it's the faith. The Apostle Paul is a man of faith. He's believing God, he's trusting Him. And his life is evidence that. And God is using him. It's the faith of Paul and the faith of those who are receiving the gospel that's, that is, is giving God the opportunity to work great things. Do we have that kind of faith? Because the very next thing here, on the other side of the authentic here in verses 11 and 12, is the counterfeit. And here we have an explicit story of some who don't want the whole thing. <laughs> they don't want the genuine article, they'd rather counterfeit it. Don't you know that they could have the genuine article? Right? Is it available to them? Sure it is. Well, let's take a look at here in verses 13 and 14 the counterfeit, then certain of the vagabond Jews, that is itinerant, traveling, moving around, Jews, exorcists. Those that um, have vocationally now, professionally, taken upon themselves to do, honestly, what was just said in verse 12, that diseases and evil spirits would be departed. This was their profession. They were pros at this, they studied this, they had books about this, maybe they wrote books about this. They went from city to city, town to town, and I'm sure earned a considerable amount of money because they were claiming to be able to do what nobody else could do. They're vagabond, they travel, they're exorcists. this is their vocation, they took upon them, it was their initiative, they took upon them Versus what? And God wrought. There it is. How many things do we take upon us? Our school bills? How many things do we take upon us? And how many things do we want to see the Lord work in? And God wrought. Well, they took upon themselves, it says, to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus. They're now going to use the authentic. They want to come as close as they can without actually making it their own. They don't want to be authentic themselves. They want to use the authentic. So they're saying, we adjure you, we charge you. It's near a command. It's, uh, we, we, we need to see this happen. We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And they began to go around. In this area, in Ephesus now, doing this, using the name of the Lord Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. Well, it was pretty, you know, by what we read in verse 10, that the Apostle Paul, having been here for two years now, his extended stay in Ephesus, that uh, it says everybody around here knew now of Paul and the name of Jesus, whom Paul preached. And now here they come in with this counterfeit, in verse 14, now the Lord is going to get very specific with us. And there were seven sons of one, Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. This is the counterfeit. God is going to stop for a minute and tell us a story, one particular event. So we see the authentic here in verses 11 and 12, we see the counterfeit in 13 and 14, and in verses of 15 and 16, we're going to see the bust. You see, whenever there's a, a counterfeit ring and authorities are on it, then inevitably there's a bust. They occur all the time around the world. And uh, the United States Secret Service is actually the one that is uh, charged and committed to uh, breaking up those counterfeit rings. In fact, it's a little bit ironic, but Abraham Lincoln on April the 14th, 1865, signed the bill, signed the legislation that created the United States Secret Service. And their role initially was not the protection of the president, it was to take care of counterfeiting. In 1865, anywhere between uh, a third to a half of the currency in America was counterfeit. One third to one half in 1865. The United States Secret Service has been busting for a long time, over 150 years now they've been doing this. And uh, later they were charged also with protecting the president and other uh, dignitaries, but still their role is to take care of counterfeiting. Today, one bill in 10,000 in currency is counterfeit. One in 10,000. Okay, much better, right? Much improved, you feel better about it? You were about ready to check your wallet, whatever, wait till after chapel, see what you've got there. But uh, even at one in 10,000 bills, whatever denomination, it is, it is uh, estimated that $3.4 $3. billion is counterfeit in circulation around the world today in American money, 3.4 billion. Now again, it's a fraction of the whole But it shows you what the secret service is up against. Well, it's not going to be the secret service here in verses 15 and 16 that are going to be on this case for the bust. But the Lord wants us to know how this counterfeit ring was busted. So we've got to take a look at it. Verse 15. And the evil spirit answered. Now, the last three words of verse 14 indicate what's happening. Which... Did so. These seven sons are doing on this day in this house what was described earlier, that they would call over a person, we command you in the name of Jesus Christ whom Paul preaches to depart. And they did so. Verse 15, they called over one, this evil spirit, this man possessed of an evil spirit, Now, this particular evil spirit probably is a little bit unique. This one is uh, uniquely sassy. He's uh, particularly misbehaving. But you know what? He's also the one that's going to make the bust, right? Here it is. Paul's not here to do it. Okay, the evil spirit's going to do it. In verse 15, it says, The evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. Now, a fascinating thing here is that the words "know" here are not the same in the Greek. They're not the same. So what the the evil spirit is saying about Jesus, whatever he's saying about how he knows Paul is a little different. The word gnostos here in uh, what he says of Christ, you know, is, is I absolutely know him. I know him experientially. I know him. Jesus, you know what this evil spirit said? You just talked about Jesus. I know him. I know the one you're talking about. And the Apostle Paul, you mentioned Paul. Well, Paul, I'm becoming acquainted with more perfectly. That's what he said. Different Greek word, but that, that was his testimony. We do appreciate the testimonies of evil spirits, don't we? You know, many times they nailed it, didn't they? Whenever Jesus came around, didn't they nail it? Jesus, thou son of David, the Holy One of Israel. Somehow they got it right. They knew. This evil spirit knows. You know, Jesus, I know. Oh, I'm well acquainted. I. Oh, yeah. No, no. We know. I know him. And Paul, oh, boy, am I getting acquainted with him. But you, who are you? Now, you've got to understand something about this evil spirit. He's very efficient. I hate to say this, but he just is. Because right here in these few verses, just in these few minutes, he is not only going to investigate, He's going to indict, he's going to hold a trial, he's gonna prosecute. I'm serious. That's why I say, that's why I brought up the Secret Service. I mean, he's more efficient. That might take years. And I was reading stories about the Secret Service and how they break a ring and how many years it takes for them to trace and track and prove, this guy's gonna do it all, like really fast, right now, okay? And it's for our benefit. God is the one telling us. He didn't tell us everything that happened in, uh, in Acts days. He told us this for our learning. There's something here we gotta get out of this. So I want you to know that there was an investigation and there was an indictment that actually came like right together really fast. By the way, let me ask you a question. Is this evil spirit authentic? Genuine? Real? He is, isn't he? You know that's really the problem is, as they come in here, they aren't. They're not the genuine article. They're going up against what is genuine. I think that's why this is so dangerous. It was dangerous for them that day. They came away wounded. In the Greek, it's the word traumatized. You know, when we, when we try to do spiritual warfare, and we are counterfeit, I think we're gonna get traumatized. But if you're authentic, why then go back to 11 and 12. You see what God can do. God works. He does marvelous things. It's amazing that this evil spirit isn't over there messing up Paul's work, right? He's not there. I just want you to know, this. This uh, evil spirit is very authentic. He's done his investigation, he's, he's indicted, and uh, he's got his examination going here as this trial continues. And he says here in uh, verse 15, Jesus I know and Paul I know, and now comes the cross-examination, but who are ye? Now the most amazing thing to me is that, uh, is that they're kind of on the same team, aren't they? Aren't they kind of working together? Why is he indicting them when they're not the real legitimate thing? Something about them is irritating him. That's, I mean, that's just a fact. Even an evil spirit doesn't like counterfeit, doesn't like hypocrisy, apparently. So he's all over it, and uh, he really is all over it. Look at this, verse 16. <laughs> and the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them. Cross-examination is over, and now it's the closing arguments. And we could say in this, uh, in this trial, he's a little over the top. As he comes down on them, literally, he is now condemning them and exposing them. Literally, they're exposed. They leave the house exposed. Here they are with all the charade over. Exposed for what they are. I would imagine, though we're not told, as they came into the house, they had on, you know, some kind of maybe priestly garments. They had something on that indicated this was their vocation. You know, those things are missing now. All of that outer, how good it looks is gone. It doesn't look so good anymore. And I'm afraid maybe you can already make the application that even here at BCM sometimes we can we can put on and look pretty good. We fill in, you know, where, we, where, we, where we're not authentic. Let me put it this way. In those areas where we are not authentic, we can put on a garb that covers it up and we can look pretty good. We could pass, pass maybe for the real thing. Do you know that some counterfeiting today is so close to the original that it's so difficult to tell? Retailers around the world, Many of them can't see it. It's the banks and their machines that look at the magnetic ink and uh, examine that and analyze that magnetic ink that those bills get pulled out. These are fake. and get sent to the U.S. Secret Service from around the world. Do you know that's what's going to happen to us? Those areas where we are not authentic, those areas will be uncovered. Well, these guys are on the run, but I want you to notice now as we uh, look and really want to key on this final. 17, 18, 19, and 20. We've seen the authentic. We've seen the counterfeit. We've seen the bust here in verses 15 and 16. But now we're going to see the community response. You know, that's pretty common today, the day in which we live. Every time there's a major event, there seems to be a community response, right? Some of those community responses ended up end up with uh, some form of violence and maybe even some burnings in the streets, right? You've seen that? You know, this one's going to end up with a fire too. This community response, verse 17, and this was known to all the Jews and Greeks. This was known. They became very acquainted with this, it's saying. Also dwelling at Ephesus and fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Now wait a minute, wait just a minute. Wouldn't you think that since seven guys came in there and they utilized the name of the Lord Jesus and the name of of this preacher, the Apostle Paul, and that those things failed? Don't you think the community would just laugh now and scoff? It's not real. How is it then that the community responds dramatically here? That fear falls on them when they hear this? Notice it says, verse 18, And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which use curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. How is that? They named the name of Christ. They named, they utilized the Apostle Paul and his ministry, his reputation, and it seemed to fail. How does that mean that the name of Jesus is magnified? Well, well, you need to go back to verse 11. And God wrought. Let me ask you this. When did he stop? When did he stop? It what verse, show me at what point here did God stop working? He hasn't stopped working. And even the exposing of counterfeit is God working. And it's for His glory that His name would be magnified, that the Word of God would grow mightily, the people would be saved. God has been working all through this. Notice these people are coming. It says that uh, the first thing is is that fear falls on them. Now why would fear fall on them? They weren't in the house. They've been living amongst evil spirits all this while because they recognize there's, there's counterfeit in themselves. There's counterfeit and this is what happens to counterfeits. Fear falls on them. They want authenticity, do you? Do you want the real thing? You know the testimonies lately have shown that many here want authenticity you know that today, as you go out and buy products, some of them like articles from sports teams, right? There's some stamp or some, something that's proving authenticity because there's a lot of counterfeits out there. You want God's stamp on your life? You want every area to be authentic? Notice it here, it says in verse 18, that many believed and confessed. There was open confession. It says they showed their deeds. Here's what I've been doing. Here's who I am. I just, I can't have this anymore. I want to be authentic. Verse 19, many of them which used curious arts, who were involved in this themselves, uh, this paganism, brought their books together and burned them before all men. Before all men. You want to know how do I get there? How do I get authentic? Well, here's how you do it. Confess it. Show your dates. They counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. You know how much that is? Silver coin, each one, was called a denarii. It was a day's wages. Each one. Each one was a day's wages. Now let's call a day's wages 100 $100 today on average, let's call it a hundred. That wouldn't be enough for some, but it'd be plenty for others. Let's call it a hundred dollars, 50,000 days wages. How much money is that? A lot. You know that that's 136 years of wages. that be enough for you. That's more than you can make in a lifetime. I did some calculations and discovered that we could take the whole student body here and this money right here, this 50,000 pieces of silver, and we could have from your freshman year forward paid all your school bills, all of them, all of them. You know that just went in the fire. That didn't go on eBay, that didn't go into a rummage sale. You understand? That went in the fire. That's how you get authentic. You've got things that you realize are not authentic. There's areas of my life that are counterfeit. It's got to go in the fire. You might still have it if you're still trying to recover some value out of it. It's worthless. It doesn't mean a thing. Let me ask you this. If God put you like a like a bill under a microscope what would he see you know that's what the secret service does in their laboratory they take the bills that come to them that honestly look really good some of them really super good from around the world and they put them under a microscope and they begin to examine if god put you under a microscope what would he see How about Ephesians 5:8? You were sometimes darkness now 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 when when now are you light in the Lord you are light in the Lord what if you were put under a microscope what does God see are you authentic are you of course you are Jesus made you authentic. He came unto his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become authentic. I think that's what it says. You have become authentic. Now look, can you imagine worse than taking and trying to copy something that's authentic with something that isn't? I had to get into the monopoly stuff. That's pretty close, isn't it? Can you tell the difference? You know, so, I mean, we say, hey, it'd be kind of foolish to go out there and try to pass this as this. I understand that. I do. But that's not what I want to talk about right now. How many of us are trying to pass this as this? How silly is that? How many of you have a Monopoly game at home? How many? I'm not gonna ask how many play it. Put your hands down. You know that there's, in a Monopoly game originally, there was $15,140 of counterfeit money. Not very good counterfeit, I understand. But anyway, it's counterfeit money. How many of you at home, you pull out your Monopoly set, you have $15,140 Of U.S. currency in that monopoly set? How many of you? You don't, do you? You said I'd be silly, I'd be stupid, right? How many of us are using the authentic and trying to pass it off as the counterfeit? How many of us are living out our lives in some areas or some way, some way of thinking, as counterfeit? When Adam and Eve walked up to the tree of, of uh, the knowledge of good and evil here, and Eve took first, listen, were they authentic or were they counterfeit? Which were they? They're authentic. They're God's creation. There they are. Were they acting it? How about Ham? When Ham walked into his father's tent there, he'd been on the ark. Was he authentic? Was he acting it? How about David. On the top of the wall there, in his palace, and he looks out and he takes Bathsheba. Was he authentic? Was he acting it? It does happen, doesn't it? Why would we do that? That seems sillier than anything. You are the genuine article, as pastor preached Sunday morning. God has made you authentic. You are living in the verses 11 and 12. You are. A number of years ago, in 2010, some of those pastors came together in southern Iowa and brought our teens together for a teen camp. There, we had a preacher that summer. We had about 50 teens one of those weeks, and the preacher was Evangelist Phil Prettyman. There was a missionary preacher that week, too. His name was Tom Needham. We had quite a week. We had quite a week. About Wednesday night evangelist uh, Phil Prettyman was up preaching, and he was going after it. He was cutting loose. And uh, in the midst of his preaching, he mentioned a couple things about music, because he was just, I mean, it was a shotgun blast. It was going everywhere. And uh, after the service, I mean, God was moving mightily. These young people, some of them were calling home, getting things right. And one young man came up to Evangelist Prettyman, I found out later, and said, I've got to deal with something, I've got to deal with music. Now, it wasn't what he preached on that night, but God's hand was in it. And he said, I've got an MP3 player that's just filled with trash. This kid came from a, a home of preachers. And he says, I've emptied this thing before, only to fill it back up again. He says, I've got to get rid of this thing. And he says, what can we do? He says, I, I want to destroy it right now. And so they came up with the idea that they would go out to a piece of concrete outside, a, a little spot there, and get a hammer, and and take that to that uh, MP3 player and be all done with it. Kind of like the fire here, they'd burn it up, it'd be over. Well, I didn't know at that point what was going on, I just saw the massive group moving down to that uh, concrete, I went down there to watch, I'm standing back, there's again about 50 teens standing around, and I don't think everybody knew what was going on, it wasn't called for in the service, it just a young man who said, I gotta do this now. Somebody went and got a hammer, he laid the item there, the MP3 player on the concrete, And he took that hammer over his head, and he hit that. And I'm telling you, pieces of technology were flying everywhere. Past your head, all over the place, in the dark there. And I noticed something over at the side here. There was another teen and a couple other guys with him. And he shouted out something like, this is idiotic. And he walked off. I didn't think anything of it, but probably about a half an hour later, we learned that that same young man was down in a field with a knife screaming obscenities. We got some of the staff together that night. It was really a surreal night. It was honestly a spiritual battle going on. We didn't know what this young man was going to do. 17, 18-year-old sitting on a picnic table with a friend near him. And he is, uh, we just kind of, uh, the the adult men there just kind of cordoned him off at a distance just so we could keep an eye on what he would do and where he was going. And uh, one of the men was on the phone with... um, police and uh, he was on the phone this young man's on the phone with his parents and he's going he said this I, I overheard him screaming this mixed with obscenities he said they don't understand my music they don't understand what this does for me it's the only thing that calms me down I need that music these guys are idiots they don't know what's going on and he really believed what he was saying it was the most amazing thing we were there up to we hours of the morning, the police came out, and finally his parents drove the 100 miles that night to come and get him. And I, I, years later, I inquired, he never did come through. One young man decides, I'm authentic, but I'm not living it. And another one doesn't want anything to do with it. A life of counterfe- counterfeit. How about it, young people? Do you know that the Ephesians here... From Ephesians 5.8, when Paul would write, listen to me, you were sometimes darkness. Do you know who he wrote that to? He wrote that to these people. This is Ephesus. Ten years later, Paul writes them a letter and says, hey, hey, wait a minute, you Ephesians. You were sometimes darkness. Remember that? And I imagine that many of them thought back to this time, the darkness of this night. The fire burning and they were throwing things in. Millions of dollars worth went into the fire. You were sometimes darkness. Now are you light in the Lord? You're authentic. Walk with authenticity. Walk with authority. Walk by faith. You know, it would be about 40 some years later that the Apostle John would write to these people. And he would say, I have somewhat against thee because you have left your first love. Some of them came to that love this night. Maybe it wasn't them personally, but them, their children. How about a BCM student? You are the authentic article. If God puts you under a microscope, praise His name, you are authentic. Are you living it? Not only do the evil spirits know it, verse 17, You know what? Others do too. More than you know, know it. Whether you're living out your authenticity, let's pray. Lord,